Welcome to the Word at First Prez. The sermon you're about to hear is not part of a regular sermon series. It stands on its own and can be instructive to our Christian faith in its own way, even though it's not linked to other sermons. I hope you enjoy. We are going to continue our worship with our first scripture reading. I thought that since Alex wasn't preaching, I would get a break from Genesis, but nope. Judy's first sermon scripture is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John, the fourth chapter, beginning at the seventh verse. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How are you this morning? Really, how are you? It is almost 11 months to the day since we were last together in our sanctuary. I remember when I first learned that we were going into lockdown mode and we weren't going to have in-person worship. I thought to myself, oh, I'm so glad that there's a little more than two weeks until Holy Week. Surely this will be all over by Holy Week. Once Easter passed and we weren't worshiping together, I began to look ahead to some significant family events My father was going to turn 90 in August, and we were hoping for a family gathering. Oh, this is going to be over by then. My daughter, our first child, my parents' first grandchild to get married, had set a September wedding date. We would definitely be better by September. I was wrong. Oh, we had my father's birthday gathering in a slightly different format, and we also celebrated my daughter's wedding with less guests and more time outside. Eleven months 
470,000 souls lost to COVID-19. 423,000 jobs lost in Illinois alone. Families and small businesses on the verge of economic collapse. Month after month passes, people remain isolated and languishing in hospitals and retirement communities. Mothers and fathers try to make working from home and learning from home two mutually exclusive events possible. Older adults are literally and figuratively dying for a hug from a child or a grandchild. First responders have seen more people die in a week than they had in the whole of their career up till now. In the midst of the pandemic, our communities erupted over racial inequity. We learned that more black and brown people are dying from this COVID-19 than white people. There are medical deserts and food deserts and all kinds of deserts where low-income people do not have access to the services that so many of us take for granted. We are reminded daily that our health system has inequities. And I'm not just talking about race or income. How is an 85-year-old supposed to navigate the web to find an appointment for the elusive vaccine? And then there is the uptick in violence in Chicago, carjackings and shootings reported every single night. We are fighting each other on all sides. Very few people think any of our leadership is handling this well, whether on the state level or on the federal level. We've had hard times in our country before, and we've come together. The Great Depression, World War II, 9-11. This time, we are having a hard time coming together. The divisions just seem to grow stronger and deeper. How are you, really? Because I'm not doing very well. One day turns into another. Some days I feel like I'm in a trance. I have watched the seasons change. There's two feet of frozen snow outside my living room window. And yet still every day, every week, every month seems the same. You wake up one morning and you're halfway through February. The next morning you're at the end of March and it's Holy Week again. Will we be together? I don't think so. Things are hard. Very, very hard. We are all getting tired, very tired. Our patience is used up, our tempers are short. Every time we get a cough, we wonder if we have COVID-19. Trying to get a vaccine is as much fun or less fun than searching for a needle in a haystack. And that's no matter how old you are. How will we get through this? 
When will it end? And what are we supposed to do about any of it? Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God saw everything God had made, and indeed, it was very good. Take a deep breath with me. And let's shake off just a little bit of our anger and despair. Come with me back to two fundamental truths of our faith. I believe that it is these truths and the practice of these truths in our lives and in our faith community that will give us the strength and the courage to see this pandemic through to the end. It will get, these two fundamental truths will give us a way to build a stronger community and to begin the work of bringing God's kingdom into the world. The work before us as Christian disciples is to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the prisoners, and recognize Jesus in all of them. I believe that the only way we will be successful in this is to know, practice, and live these particular truths, the foundation of our faith. First, imago Dei. We are made in the image of God. Our Holy Scripture opens with this startling revelation. God created us in God's own image. Male and female, God created us. And when he'd made everything, including male and female, God declared that it was all very good. Now, we all have a tendency to anthropomorphize God. That's a very big word to say that we attach human attributes to God like hands and eyes, and even at times, a gender. From the time we are small children in Sunday school, we draw pictures of God and Jesus that tend to look like our parents or our grandparents or the way we might picture a very old, old man with a long beard. And so when we think about the fact that we are created in the image of God, we might first go to those human attributes. Does God have brown eyes or blue eyes? Or, oh, that pretty green. Does God have large hands or smaller hands? Is God tall or short, thin or heavy? We might think about all those attributes that we as human beings have, and the things and the judgments that we attach to our physical image. But being made in the image of God isn't about us, and it is not about how we look. It is first about God. God created us co-equally, all of us, black, brown, white, 
old, young, male, female, gay, straight, transgender, we are all created co-equally with God, co-equally with one another because we are made in the image of God. The dignity of every human being is granted by God at the time of our creation. I really want us to think about what that means. Being created in the image of God means that our hierarchies in our human institutions are things that we can let go of. Men aren't better than women. Whites are not smarter than blacks. Rich people are not better than poor people. A doctorate does not give you any more value than someone who left school in the eighth grade. Being created in the image of God is a leveling agent. We are all the same, bearing the image of God in the core of our being, treasured by God, beloved by God. And we are created by God in the image of God so that we can be in relationship with God and with one another. This is our purpose. It's first stated clearly in the Old Testament, in the prayer known as the Shema, in the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. God creates us in God's own image so that we can be in relationship with God. We can put God first and so that we can be in relationship with one another. We love God with our heart, soul, and might because God's image is printed on the core of our being. The second foundational pr principle of our faith that I believe will help us in these days is found throughout scripture, but particularly uh, the New Testament, and I chose today to focus on 1 John 4. But you can find this over and over and over again. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. That's it. We're created in the image of God to be in relationship with God, and we ought to love one another. William Sloan Coffin Jr., a Presbyterian clergyman and a peace activist, writes this. Of God's love, we can say two things. It is poured out universally for everyone, from the Pope to the loneliest wino on the planet. And secondly, God's love doesn't see value. It creates value. 
It is not because we have value that we are loved, but it is because we are loved that we have value. Our value is a gift, not an achievement. God created us in God's own image. God stamped the core of who we are with God's image. And because we carry God's image, God loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. God relentlessly pursues us. God chases us. God doesn't care where we are or who we are, where we are going, or where we have been. Because we belong to God. Imago Dei. Stamped with God's own image, we are pursued by God always and forever, even in the darkest and bleakest moments of our lives. And we are not loved because we have done something to deserve it or because we have some value. Because we are loved by God, we have value. Every single one of us. God's love gives us value and it is poured out equally from the Pope to the loneliest wino. I wonder what kind of difference it could make for us as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community, as a state, as a nation, if we really focused on and worked on living out these two truths of our faith. Everyone is created in the image of God. Everyone is loved by God. Leif Peterson, the son of Eugene Peterson, shared a secret at his dad's funeral, a secret that his dad had shared with him early in his life. Leif said that his dad had whispered in his heart for 50 years and had snuck into his room in the dark of night to say these words. God loves you. God is on your side. God is coming after you. God is relentless. What follows naturally from this kind of understanding of being created in God's image and being loved relentlessly by God is that we, in turn, out of gratitude, love others. And when we don't love others, we are denying these two fundamental truths of our faith. We are denying the love of, that the love of God gives us inherent value. We are denying that we are all created in the image of God. And we are denying the worth of other human beings. When we fail to love the other as God has loved us, we dehumanize them. As soon as we dehumanize them, we begin to treat them as less than or as the other we find it easier to be rude to them, to ignore their situation, to find fault with them, to blame them 
for the situation in their lives. And the list goes on. We find it easier to be smug and satisfied with our own lives and our own behavior when we deny these truths. And we stop seeing or even looking for injustice, inequality, the fact that far less people live the privileged lives we live than God intends, because it is God's intention that we are co-equal, that everyone live a life of privilege, warm, safe, and free from fear. God made humankind in God's image, loving us and giving us inherent value with that love. And in turn, we are challenged to love others with this love, unconditional love, unending love, steadfast love, love that pursues the other. We are invited, even commanded, to work for equity and against inequity in all of our systems and institutions. This is a scary invitation. It can mean dismantling everything we know about how things are done now and finding new and different ways of doing them so that every single person will begin to know that they are made in God's image and loved by God. Now, I hope you've stayed with me through this sermon. This is a little shorter than what Alex usually preaches. I want to take us back to where we started. How are we going to make it through this pandemic? How are we going to change the inequities in our systems? How are we going to begin the work of putting our very broken lives and broken communities and broken country back together. What can we possibly do in the midst of the fatigue and despair we feel in our own lives? We can dig deep and find the Imago Dei deep within us because we each carry it. We can dig even deeper and find the love with which God loves us. And when we find those two things within ourselves, and we can find them by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we find those two things, we can reach out in love to everyone and anyone who has need. We can reach out in love even when it means risking our own privilege. We can reach out with love because we look at the other, the mentally ill, the transgender, the gay, the black and brown people. We look 
at those experiencing homelessness, and we do not blame them for who they are or the situation and find, they find themselves in, but instead we look at them and we see Imago Dei, made in the image of God. And then we love. That's the only answer I know. We can and we must keep loving and love better and deeper because that love is from God. Because God invites us, challenges us, even commands us to love everyone. It is planted in the core of who God has created us to be. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.